2022, Team Milk came together by sponsoring female marathon runners for the marathon in New York City. Today, they're more than 20,000 strong. In 2024, Team Milk is making an even bigger commitment to female runners and launching the only women's marathon in the U.S., designed for and by women. The inaugural Every Woman's Marathon will take place in Savannah, Georgia on November 16, 2024. You can learn more and register for the marathon at everywomansmarathon.com. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hi. My name is David Alexander. I grew up in Brooklyn, and I'm here to answer a few questions and tell my story. One day in the early 70s, David Alexander decided to go for a run in Central Park. And so I drove up there and um, parked the car and walked down in the meadow, still holding my key ring, my big key ring. <laughs> and um, I, I wanted to put, the, put it down. And there I saw uh, Jesse sitting on a blanket a Wednesday afternoon in the spring. And she had the Times Sunday to Arts and Leisure section, a um, bottle of water, a sketch pad, and she had a men's hat with a ribbon tipped to one side. And I said, ah, perfect. May I leave my keys here while I go for a run? Sure, she said. And so I was gone for 15 minutes and um, came back. And um, we had a natural conversation. And uh, I sat down and... uh, Then uh, some time went by, and I offered her a ride home, which she accepted. It was a different time (laughs) in New York (laughs) then. (laughs) Will you describe what she looked like? Five foot eight, straight posture. At the time, had long hair and green eyes. Uh, Athletic and uh, slender. Not really slender, muscular slender. And um, she had a a face that was uh, full of character and uh, was both uh, 
smart-looking and lovely. And I asked her for a date. I said, um, would you like to go to the ballet? That's quite a, that's a great first date to pull out. It was the Joffrey Ballet at Lincoln Center. Wow. So she said, okay. It's easy to tell this part of the story. The rest isn't so simple. Nothing good ever is. I'm Phoebe Judge, and this is Love. What was that first date like at the ballet? <laughs> well, I, I ran out of gas on the way. <laughs> and I said, oh, here's a ticket. You know, I can get some gas and I'll join you soon. She said, oh, no, I'll stay with you. And uh, we uh, came in a little bit late. And then uh, I was taking her home and uh, I stopped in front of her apartment building. And she said, would you like to come up? Of course. And we were together ever since. It sounds, when you hear it, like a movie. It sounds right out of a movie. Um, I've told the story to other people. And when you tell it to other people, you know how unbelievable it sounds when you're telling it. We can't prove that this is what happened. (laughs) (laughs) Also, the ease of asking a stranger to hold your keys, which you just can't bear to hold in your hand while you go for a run. He said he had a gigantic key ring. He said, I just had so many. It was this big ring. (laughs) I just, I janitor her keys. (laughs) She had a different upbringing than you did. (laughs) Of course she did. (laughs) When did that first become clear to you? Right away. Well, um, Jessie and her um, best friend lived together in this large apartment uh, on the west side of the park. And they would have, during the week, sometimes several dinner parties and salons, as they are known, where... Someone would uh, be singing while dinner was being prepared. There would be hors d'oeuvres, and there would be wine flowing. And um, this, of course, was brand new for me. And there would be artists and writers and some famous and semi-famous people that passed through. So you walk into this world of salons and wine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely a fish out of water. And when you met her family for the first time, tell me about that experience. Did you go to the family home? Well, I remember having, uh, being invited for dinner. I was on my best behavior, of course. Certainly I was not her dad's idea of the ideal choice. (laughs) Yeah, the... (laughs) My grandparents were very traditional. You had to wear specific clothes for different events, and everything was just so. Jody and I were sent every year the Tiffany's Table Book of Manners because we continued to not learn. And then upon our arrival at our grandparents' house, we would be tested and always fail. 
David and Jesse wanted to make their own kind of life. So they left New York and moved to San Francisco. For money, they opened a lasagna truck. This must have been the first generation of food trucks. They called it Jessica's Movable Feast. They also started studying Eastern religions, transpersonal psychology, and Sanskrit. And when they decided to get married, they asked their teacher to perform the ceremony. He said, sure, he'd be honored. And uh, he set it all up at Golden Gate Park, right near the gardens. He created a traditional marriage there. We were painted with henna. We had traditional garb on. And um, my mother and stepdad and Jesse's family came. How'd Jesse's family do with that? Well. <laughs> with the... Well, they were, um, at best, it would have been very, very difficult for them. Bowing to the astrological deities, making offerings of ghee and rice and other things, and circumambulating the fire pit. Very, very difficult. There's pictures of them. Mm -hmm. Dad looks fantastic. <laughs> he has the largest beard I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And Mom looks great also. She's wearing a sari, and he's wearing a Punjabi. <laughs> I think he is wearing a Punjabi. <laughs> My grandparents, they, they're pictured there, but they sort of look a little bit uncomfortable in the scenario. Hugely uncomfortable. And they're being asked to like pour ghee into a fire ceremony in their like white suits. <laughs> I could have sworn he was wearing seersucker. If it I, makes he might have been wearing seersucker. Are there lots of flowers that... Mm -hmm. Garlands, many garlands. <laughs> And bindis. Flowers all over the ground, you know. Both parents in ecstasy. And that is capture. <laughs> ecstasy. It is. That is what they yeah. look like. Yeah, they they do look like sort of like they're hovering but above the But also a, a slight a relief. David says it was a good life they'd created. A life that seemed natural. One of those lives where you can't really remember anything before. They lived in an ashram, they lived in India, and eventually found an old farmhouse in the mountains of North Carolina. Wherever they landed, David would set up a studio so Jessie could paint. She would spend hours painting and drawing, people and landscapes, sometimes small paintings she might give you as a gift. And then, Jessie was pregnant. Jessie never felt that she was going to have children. She was told in a reading, actually, one time that she'd had that uh, it might be very dangerous for her. And she was very happy to be becoming a mother, totally happy, as it was something that she never felt was going to happen within her lifetime. How did having a baby change your relationship as a couple? Mm, don't think it did. See, we were older. We had known each other for 12 years. We had our lives in order. And to manage the extra capacity and the newness of it was 
just wonderful and exciting. Three years after Julianne was born, Jessie was pregnant again. I remember going to the hospital, and um, the baby's nurse handed me Jody. She said, Oh, Mr. Alexander, congratulations. You're a grandfather again. <laughs> how old was... I was 40. And how old was Jesse? 43. 43. Jesse was a happy mother. The happiest. It was six months after Jody was born. She had a lump on her breast. It was analyzed, and uh, she was told that uh, she might live for three and a half years on average. I can't even imagine what that day meant. Oh, good. Who could imagine that? I was crushed. For three years, they sought the best care they could find. Then she began treatment at a hospital in Virginia. Two of her friends invited her to live with them. As much as she wanted to see the children all the time, she wanted to change the pivot for the girls over to me. And so the children would begin to look to me for all of their needs. We would visit regularly, but uh, we did not live together. So she, it was like she was, it's kind of like training wheels. It was like she was giving a, a, a ramp up period to when you'd have to do this all alone. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was still thinking she was healing. She, she, she held herself together very well, but um, the illness progressed. And um, she was unable to get around as well. And uh, it was obvious that it was going to be soon. And she called one of our best friends who was godmother to the girls and asked her to come. And our friend, Gabriella, came and took charge of the situation. I I went to sit with her on the last day for her last four hours. She was no longer speaking. And then there was the outbreath. It was uh, just a graceful exit. Gabriella created for the children a great way to say goodbye to their mother. She asked our friends to gather up some children that they knew in the neighborhood, some families with small children, and we had um, them over. Her husband built a little boat, a little sailboat 
about two feet long, simple. A little wooden boat that Jody and I were encouraged to fill with little gifts or letters, notes to mom as sort of a send-off. And then we took it down to a stream in sort of a parade, mostly adults, me and Jody, the lead, in formal dresses that were very starched. I remember that. And uh, we pushed it off. It went down the stream, around the bend, and out of sight. All the adults were just weeping and and also smiling, and I think we were both pretty confused about what was happening. <laughs> Do you remember anything of that, Jody? I only know from the pictures that commemorate. There are pictures from every stage, walking, me holding the boat. Yeah. And then getting to the, like, the edge of the creek that we put it in. And both Julianne and I standing at the edge of the water in those dresses that seemed slightly out of place. Why were we so fancy? <laughs> I don't know. They'd stayed in close touch with their friends from the ashram, spending many summers with them in upstate New York. And after Jesse died... David and the girls were invited back there as special guests in order to give them time to get on their feet. They were there for a little over a year, and when it was time to go back into the real world, David took the family back to North Carolina, to Chapel Hill. So you arrive in Chapel Hill with these two little girls, <laughs> and you now now it's you. It's, yeah. it's Dad. And, oh, yeah. Uh, what'd you do? <laughs> It was all about managing. It was not about getting ahead. It was hold down the process and be there for them when they came home. Stability. Yeah. I managed okay. I think from the outside looking in for a number of years, it was pretty confusing how we were all, you know, banging around through life. And my dad chose to sort of forego financial security for a more loving and readily available situation, which I think in the end has really worked out for us. I remember him dressing up a lot in costumes of various kinds to pick us up from school. Like, not full costumes, but he would put on like a paper mask and just like waltz in and you never knew when he was going to take, like, a koosh out of his pocket and just like, <laughs> toss it to you across a room that is in public. We have we both have very good hand-eye coordination. Because you're always ready just to go up. Ser- <laughs> serious. Seriously. Julianne and I sort of like to think we looked... You know how kids these days look really put together? Everything's coordinated. They're girls with bows in their hair, and the moms have done so much to make them look... Wow, look, I could take a picture and this would last and this would be like, oh, I'd, I'd like to have that for my collection. Where when I, when I think about when Julianne and I were dressed up as a kid, we grab, you know, just grab whatever looked like clean. I'd sometimes like to think, oh, we got out of like a trash can. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't a trash can. 
But your father probably said when you came downstairs, and I said, well, that looks good. You yeah, know? <laughs> yeah. We, I think we wore Great things choice. that were definitely too small. I mean, sort of straightforward stuff. We probably both looked a lot like miniature fathers. <laughs> and <laughs> we still sort of are. It was easy to, to have uh, two beautiful girls who were vibrant and having the opportunity to be dad, you know. And I continued to feed them every bit of their mother that I could. I mean, she's not very far away. She's sort of, like, vague, but she's close, you know. For a number of years after she died, one of our various godparents, we'll call them, would be asked to call us on her birthday and tell us a story from their lives before when they were young cools in California, which is, I thought was a really nice way of getting at maybe what she would have been telling us. You know, she wouldn't be telling us stories of our life with her. She would have probably over the years told us about what it was like before. You know, she was an amazing woman, an amazing great woman who had uh, such strength and such great virtues and such artful living as well as the art. You're still in love with her? Sure. I can't really remember a time when Dad wasn't talking about Mom in general. I think she just is part of his daily existence. When was the last time each of you talked to your father? Jody? Uh, Saturday. That's not true. He came over to your house on Monday. Is that Monday? That's what I mean. <laughs> I don't see the sun. It so was you, Monday. So you saw him in person on Monday? Yes. How about you? I also saw him on Monday. And how? What but was different it? times. Different. <laughs> so he's making the rounds on Monday. He really was. And he was saying that and like really congratulating himself about it. <laughs> he quite likes to do that. Make the rounds. One step and then the second. <laughs> Having us both in one day, it feels like a success. Does he show up at your homes or workplaces unannounced? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he would come in, you'd be working, and you're, there would be your father. Right. Recently, my boyfriend Chris got a job, and my dad was super proud of him, and... He took the opportunity to go to his place of work with a bag filled with ice cream, ice cream boxes. He showed up at Chris's work. Yeah, on his first day looking for Chris. You have to, like, press a doorbell, get invited in, and then he just immediately is like, have you seen Chris? I need to bring this to Chris. There are, like, 100 people who work there, and nobody knows who Chris is because it's his first day. But he spends maybe most of an hour looking all over, meeting everyone, glad-handing, meanwhile just dripping ice cream all over the office (laughs) before he finally finds someone who shows him where a freezer is, where he can deposit the ice cream. I don't think he even encountered Chris. I think Chris was in a meeting or being, like, HR'd somehow. And so he only heard about it 
when he got back to his desk and everybody in the office had met my dad <laughs> who was looking for him. So yeah, it was a good way for Chris to be introduced to his new scene. <laughs> but also, yeah, he's great. My dad's great. And sometimes he misreads a situation, but seems to always tumble out on top. Support for This Is Love comes from Indeed. Hiring someone new can sometimes feel like finding a missing puzzle piece. The right person can complete a team, but the search can take a long time. And sometimes it feels entirely up to chance. Indeed is designed to help you find that perfect match much easier and much faster. Indeed's matching engine learns from your preferences for job candidates and becomes more accurate over time. That means the more you use it, the better it gets. You also need to worry about the busy work of hiring. Indeed will help you with scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Listeners to this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash thisislove. Just go to Indeed.com slash thisislove right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash thisislove. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Calling all female runners, it's time to lace up and join Team Milk. Since the 2022 New York City Marathon, Team Milk has sponsored female marathon runners nationwide, providing support and shining a spotlight on their unique stories, perseverance, and drive to go the distance. Why milk? Dairy milk is an excellent nutritional ad for both marathon training and recovery. Milk contains 13 essential nutrients, including high-quality protein, making it a crucial component of a training diet. Plus, it's one of the best beverages for hydration, even better than water. The same electrolytes that are added to many of your favorite sports drinks are found naturally in milk. And in 2024, Team Milk is taking the next step to empower female runners by launching the only women's marathon in the U.S. designed for and by women. Built to be accessible, empowering, and community building, the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon will take place in Savannah, Georgia on November 16, 2024. You can learn more and register for the marathon at everywomansmarathon.com. I asked the girls how they would feel if I looked out and maybe looked for some company. Oh, yeah, Dad, go ahead. Sure, yeah, I'll do it, you know, fully encouraging me, you know. <laughs> how did you do? I didn't know exactly how I was going to go about doing this and eventually placed an ad in the Independent, which was very popular in its time. The of, weekly news, yeah, the, alt news. the Independent. And I placed some expansive ad in there and I got uh, I got a lot of responses I mean a lot but I think in the first two days I had 30 calls he chose to start dating at a pretty challenging time for us in so far as like we were discovering what like pranks were and so we played a lot of pranks on women who would come over what he told me is that the ad went out in the indie yep and that he got a lot of response. He did, yeah. It was too much. Was that hard? 
Well, we have like a love death grip on each other in general, the three of us. So we're all we're all very protective, too protective. So you didn't think this one was good enough? Mm-hmm. Julian and I them. didn't care yeah. for one of them, yes. Did you tell your father that? Oh, yeah. Mo- I feel like we vocalized it at least half a dozen times. And also we put saran wrap on the toilet before she went in there. <laughs> so, like, not always verbal communication. We chickened out of a few really harsh ones. Like, we put tacks in her shoes once. <laughs> And then we went and pulled him out. (laughs) Are you dating now? I'm not. Are you interested in dating now? Oh, look at you. (laughs) (laughs) The phone's going to be ringing. This is just like that ad in the paper. (laughs) I'd say I am ready to date. Are you online dating? I have. What's on? How are, are you good at online dating? I don't know. <laughs> I'm me. It'd be nice to have for him to have someone. He spent a, a long time, and the more time I feel like he spends without someone, the more he sort of gets too comfortable with himself, if mm-hmm. that's possible. That's right. Um, and structure is more needed than anything else. I think not 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 that he doesn't know what to do it's just that he says things like I could really use some woman kindness and what he's saying is that he can't take care of himself as much as he thinks he probably should be doing yeah he's existing and he's doing a good job and he's healthy but yeah he doesn't see things that I I point out and I feel bad and I don't want to be mean that I'm pointing out but she means like ear hair to be clear um I think you're totally right, Jody. The more time he spends by himself, the more, I mean, it sort of seems like the pool of candidates is shrinking, both in actual numbers, but also just because people become more and more jaded in their own ways. And so then they're less eligible for my dad, who I think really more than anything wants like an open-hearted person. So... Yeah, finding a partner of any kind, even if it's just someone to pal around with, would take a little of the pressure off of us. You know, that love grip that I was referring to is real, and having someone else who could listen to some of the stories and give the haircuts, and I think he would really thrive. What has he taught you about relationships? If you don't have the same, like, deep heart, like, heart sense of each other, then why are you wasting your time, kind of? Oh, yeah, he's a real cut-your-losses kind of guy when it comes to love. He's, like, either it's there or it's not. And there's no sense in trying to build it. It's just, that's not how it works. This is Love is produced by Lauren Spohr, Nadia Wilson, and me. Audio mix by Rob Byers. Special thanks to Ian Chillog and Katie Davis. Julianne Alexander creates original illustrations for each episode of This is Love, and her father is very proud of her. 
We'll be back with a new episode next Wednesday. Here's a preview. Yeah, I think that's normal to be scared. I mean, when you can't see anything below, but you can feel something. uh, And you can also not just feel the motion, but the presence of something. Go subscribe and find out more about the show at thisislovepodcast.com. This Is Love is recorded in the studios of North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC. We're a proud member of Radiotopia from PRX, a collection of the best podcasts around. Special thanks to AdZerk for providing their ad-serving platform to Radiotopia. I'm Phoebe Judge, and this is Love. Radiotopia. Why do you run? Why does anyone? I always thought that runners loved running, and that's not the case. Most runners hate running, (laughs) but they choose to do it. In the new docuseries, Running Sucks, brought to you by Team Milk, Abby Ayers learns why women runners everywhere are driven to go the distance. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. Team Milk is about fueling women's performance and helping them along their marathon journeys. You can sign up now for the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon taking place in Savannah, Georgia on November 16th, 2024. Learn more and register at everywomansmarathon.com.